genius requires sacrifice. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to House Party Protocol. Power up suits and welcome in to another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today is an OG of the MCP content landscape and someone that I'm sad to say hasn't been around as much as I might like lately. And that's the one and only Nate from the Gamers Guild. What is happening, my guy? Man, I miss you. I want to give you a hug. I haven't seen you since, uh, like, what, December? And that was only for a couple hours. Yeah, I know. It's been a really short time of seeing each other and a long time of being apart, and it's weird. Like, we we haven't spent this much time apart in quite a long time, either vocally or just in person. Yeah, well, we'll uh, we'll get uh, some pizza and whatnot uh, here at the end of the month and make up for it. I love it. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. But yes, and for those of you that might not know, we're talking about Adepticon because it's going to be a bloodbath and I can't wait. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be stupid. And I'm so glad that it's about to happen because I, it's probably the biggest like gaming event other than Gen Con that I will have ever been to. It's also the biggest like competitive environment. Like NashCon has been competitive and it's been a thing, but like there's a gravitas maybe that you could say comes with Adepticon, Nate. That's so not to like belittle myself. The Adepticon is certainly a much, much bigger con as a whole uh, than NashCon. And there are going to be more sharks than there were there last year. Uh, and the not belittling, belittling myself, uh, I I came over with first place at Adepticon, and so like there's there's a little bit of a, a biased tendency in my head of like, eh, it wasn't that competitive. Says the guy that won it. Yeah, so it's one of those like, I it, I I played to win obviously and stuff, uh, but I I do not consider myself one of those like threatening super scary players most of the time justin tells me otherwise occasionally though so i, I don't know i think uh, nashcon at least last year compared to uh adepticon was the more competitive event and then depending on what turnout looks like we might still be a more competitive event but adepticon will be the largest event in the usa i think yeah and and i think that that's that's kind of the thing, and it's just there's so much, and I, it's interesting that you say that because I do agree with you in that you're right in like in terms of the total names and all that stuff, but like it's just no, you know, anyone that's anyone says, hey, I did something at Adepticon. I, in your case, won Adepticon. I came in second at Adepticon. I finished top five at Adepticon. Whether you tell them you're playing Marvel Crisis Protocol or not, they're gonna be like, okay. Noted. There's a little bit of weight to just because Adepticon is 
one of like what three maybe four miniatures conventions that is just like a, a known quantity that lvo nova are kind of like the big ones yeah yeah that's it that's it so yeah i'm stoked for this and i i, I have no idea if what i'm gonna do is gonna make any sense but you know what we're just gonna throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks I'm excited for it, man. Uh, mostly because I don't even have to participate. I get to judge you guys this year. Yeah, and hey, look. I mean, how long do you think it's going to take for me to be like, judge? I'll just send Tim over. No, no. You, it's got to be you because I'm going to be like, I don't trust Tim. I only trust Nate. Fair <laughs> enough. I'll come over and then I'll just say whatever Will thinks is right is wrong. And, and, and be just stop asking for judges as much. Yeah, there you go. And and am I going to be allowed to get one ex- expletive this time? I could. Uh, yeah, I think that that's allowable at Adepticon. Okay, I just I don't know. Especially you know? if the uh, the margarita machine makes its way around again. Oh, well, yeah, game on there. <laughs> well, anyways, Nate, we're not here to talk crazy about Adepticon, even though I am extremely stoked for it. We have couple of big topics on board today literally and figuratively and one of those topics is the very recently as in as of recording just a few hours ago revealed modok scientist supreme card and i'm excited to talk about this guy but as always first thing we have to do is talk about this miniature this is a way better modok sculpt than before it is like it is more dynamic, but it's still not like a top tier sculpt for me. If that makes sense, that's fair. I, I like, get that, and I understand that. Like there, there's only so much you can do with a Modoc sculpt. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll say this: I think that it it, unlike the old one, he has like that sense of motion, whereas the Old one's more like, I'm standing here, I'm being menacing, and I'm controlling you, because that's exactly what he did. But I like this one, how it's like conveying a sense of motion, like he's moving on his doomsday chair. Another little side note to this one that I have to just applaud AMG for, the little like heartbeat monitor right underneath his lips, is looks mm-hmm. like it's actually sculpted in this time, whereas in like yes. the old one, it was just like a blank thing. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, the chair looks very similar. It has the uh, the extra little weapons and stuff that feel very reminiscent of the uh, Ant Man and the Wasp uh, Quantum Mania movie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I I would not be shocked if like there was like a year ago they were like, hey, so. We've got this little movie coming out, and we're going to definitely need something to look kind of like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just, I don't know. I like it. It's it's nothing special, but I'm excited to construct this model, and I will watch it be gray for a long time, and I'm okay with that. And the other little thing I have to point out here is we've gone back to supervillains pointing, which just makes me so happy. It has been a little bit, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we've we've had a minute, and I guess you could say Emma is maybe a supervillain, and she's maybe pointing a little bit, 
But for real, it's been a second since we've had like a super villain menacingly pointing. And this is it. And I love it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just go back and look at pictures of like the core box way through, a, a pretty far through. And you'll see there's more supervillains pointing something than anything. It's awesome. It's so many ways. I like it. And this is the one I might do silver. I did the other one gold. But if I'm going to like repaint this one, I might paint this one silver. And yes, I actually sort of painted the old one. There you go. Yeah. Now, Nate. Let's take a look at this t- stat card. But before we get too deep into the stat card, the art on this is terrifying. Like, the art on this one would make so much more sense. Like, the arts need to be swapped. Yeah. Between the two cards. Like, oh my gosh. The menace in this art. and Like, this is the stuff of nightmares. Mm-hmm. I can't show my eight-year-old this picture because he'll probably be like, Dad, I had a nightmare. There's a floaty head guy. You know. Yep. <laughs> it's just like what the heck? It's terrifying. With that being said, I kind of love it. So we've got Modoc Scientist Supreme with an alter ego of George Tarleton. So he's got a top stat line here: three physical defense, three energy defense, and a five mystic defense. He has a stamina value of seven, threat value of four, size three, and he moves short. So, Nate, there's a couple of things that stand out here to me. What stands out to you on this stat line? Uh, man, it's tied between two things, but probably the seven stamina is that front runner. Yeah, seven stamina is nothing to scoff at on a character. And we'll get into these superpowers and everything. I think that's uh, that's a that's a BFD. So the other one that stands out here for me is he's four threats, so he's one threat less than his original counterpart, which I think is very interesting. And we'll talk about how that fits in as some other things come up throughout his card here. But I think that's something that's really going to matter when you're trying to find a place to fit the scientist supreme version of Modoc in your lineup. And then there's one other notable thing here, Nate, which I don't think I've ever talked this much about a top stat line. It's the fact that he shrunk. Yep. Little, little bit of a a smaller Modoc. Look, he's been like on Nutrisystem or something. And his, his He's brain... He's slimming down, man. That's it, it, all good things. Yeah, all good things. All good things. But, yeah, size three as OG was size four. And I'm really curious as to why that is. And I can tell you right now, Suits, there is nothing on the card that would tell you why that is. And I just, like, maybe he wasn't fully advanced into his mental powers yet or something. I don't know. But, like, maybe his brain was still growing in the old version. Either way... This is an interesting top stat line here for a four threat character, I think. And Mm -hmm. it's worth noting the only thing that's going to change on his card on his injured side is his stamina value goes down to five. So he'll have a total of 12 stamina. That'll be relevant. So it does average out. It, It averages out for a four threat. But I can tell you, seven just feels like a lot. Mm hmm. Feels like a lot. So what are his attacks, Nate? 
so the first one we have is Doomsday Chair Arsenal. Has a range of four, strength of five, cost no power, and I didn't say an attack type because it can either be physical or energy. Uh, before you choose the target, you get to declare that. Has the usual line about after the attack is resolved, he'll gain power equal to damage dealt. And as a kicker, if you roll a wild, uh, you get to incinerate the target after the attack is resolved. Nice. Nice good builder here. Yeah, solid builder. Range four, five dice, uh, and getting to choose attack types, incinerate, all good things, realistically. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have no complaints. I wish more characters that I play had a builder like this. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it's definitely... For one of the ranged builders, I think that's probably one of the better ranged builders we've seen. Yep. Uh, and then he only has one other attack for the spender. Uh, it's a Mystic Psionic Assault, range of three, strength of seven, cost four power. Uh, before damage is dealt, this character may advance the target character short. And on a wild, you get to Disorient, uh, which is before damage is dealt, the target character gains the stun special condition. Okay, Nate. So, am I noticing a trend here of before damage is dealt, we're stunning people? Like, that seems to be a trend again? It, it's Because, like, yeah, before Mystique, like, nobody did it. And now we've seen three characters over the past three months? Exactly. Like, this is... One of those things where it was very powerful on Mystique, but you never really used her spender that often. But mm -hmm. I think the fact that we're seeing this more, it's going to become extremely more relevant. And I played a game recently where one of my characters was stunned and I was just like, you know, one of those like faces where you're just running your hands down your face and just making that like, Ugh, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's what I was doing because it's just so annoying. Yeah, it's uh, stun is definitely one of the more underrated conditions. I feel like because like there's the ones like uh, incinerate and shock have like that really nice shiny and very noticeable effect, where stun can just like cut the legs out from under you and you don't even realize it. Exactly, that's exactly right. And then let's not gloss over the fact that also before damage is dealt, you get to just mm -hmm. straight move people. Yeah. This is this is an excellent spender. And again, trends have been forming. And I don't know if I'm the only person pointing this out or not. But am I wrong in saying we are entering a golden age of spenders right now? Because we've had legit spenders on multiple characters that are worth using. Mm, uh, man, this MODOK has so many things that he wants to do. Oh, I, I, Maybe, I, though? Look, he's he is going to be jonesing for some power. He is going to be over here like, feed me. Anywhere he can get power, he's, he's going to need to get the power. But what I mean is creating a meaningful question to the players of, mm -hmm. do I save for thing X or do I spend four power and advance someone oh cool i advance them they had an objective i daze them they drop it where i can pick it up i pick it up and they're stuck yeah, no 
it's just I, I think that between Modoc and then you know you've got your tornado claw on Logan, you've got the beam on Agent Venom. I can't remember what exactly the name of that particular attack is called. Symbiote tendrils. There you go. I'm definitely the one person who remembers it. Exactly. I knew you would. So, like, that attack... Oh, and, no, it's not that. It's Symbiote Special Forces. Oh, my gosh, Nate. I'm a terrible Agent Venom lover. You know what? Your fan card for Agent Venom has been revoked. I'm calling up Flash Thompson and being like, dude, your biggest fan just let you down. You do that? He wouldn't even know my name. I'm okay with it. But you're his biggest fan, though. I was. You were. I lost that card. Yeah, I lost yeah. that privilege. <laughs> So, anyways, I'm, I just want to illustrate the point that I think that that the spenders have gotten significantly better with time, and especially recently. So I, they they have and they haven't. I I feel like AMG sometimes they they give really good ones, and then other times it's like, oh yeah, here's like Emma Frost with an Area Two Seven Die attack that costs six power. Okay, so to be fair, counterpoint. Emma Frost regular version is pretty darn good. Regular version is is pretty good. We we are we have certainly gotten better since the days of Thor's just abysmal <laughs> one. Uh yeah. Let's we don't talk about that, Nate, because God of Thunder does not exist. It doesn't. It doesn't need to. Yeah. I shout out to our friend Leland. I've watched him do a few battle reports at times, and whenever there's an opportunity to use a God of Thunder, it's like, just just don't do it. Like, what are you doing? Just why? <laughs> why? Just charge, use the throw. It's the same amount of power, and you're going to get more damage out of it. Exactly, exactly. So it's just it's just so funny to me whenever you watch other people play, and you're like, why are you doing this thing? And it's just like, it also can be fun to do an area attack. I get that. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about MODOK. So, Nate, I'm going to let you kick off this first thing on the superpower list, and I'll take the rest because... I want to get your take on it first. Yeah, so the first thing that's technically not a superpower, but it's uh, up there at the top of them, is his leadership, Advanced Idea Mechanics, also known as AIM, uh, is actually a affiliation leadership for the Criminal Syndicate. Uh, once per turn, when an allied character is attacking or defending, if it is holding or contesting an objective token and has one or more wild results in its role, it may change one of its dice to either a hit or a block. Okay. That sounds really good. Like, am, am it, I... It is a... It, it's one of those things where it's like, very few characters are going to be like, oh my goodness, I need to be a splash character in this leadership because I synergize with that. But nobody's going to be like, oh, like this leadership doesn't really do much for this person. Like, no, this is this is going to be good for anybody who wants to play. That is exactly how I take it as well. And I think we have to look at a few things with this. First of all, this is AIM. So anybody out there that was expecting an AIM affiliation for now, you can put that to bed. Doesn't mm -hmm. doesn't mean it won't ever happen, but I'm just saying. For now, we're putting it to bed. Second thing, anybody that thought we were going to get, like, aim grunts, I think we can put that to bed. Because, spoiler yeah, alert. A little bit sad we're not getting the B-suits. I mean, you know, I'm okay with it because 
you don't like grunts. We all know. <laughs> we we listen. We know your thoughts. I want bee grunts. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm sure someone out there can 3D print you some, and you can use the Hydragoons instead. Of, or use those as Hydragoons. There you go. Just That's... use uh, Modok's uh, sculpt as Red Skull with yeah. his card or something. Yeah, there you go. And he... Is he on a he's on a 65, so you'll just have like a better version of Red Skull, I guess. Yeah, nobody's gonna complain. No one will notice. No one will They'll notice. just move short. <laughs> yeah. Balances it out. Crisis of Close enough. <laughs> Don't do what I'm doing, people. So, anyways. Anyways. So we 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 put those things to bed. Now let's talk about the fact that he's a criminal syndicate affiliated character. I mean, what the heck, Crimson? I guess criminals are just everywhere because well, I mean, we, OG Modoc was crimson. I know, but like having three leaders, this is, am I, am I wrong when I say it, but I'm about to say that this is the first affiliation with three leaders. Yes. I'm wrong. Yeah. What else am I thinking of? Avengers. Who's the third leader in Avengers? Hulkbuster. Oh my gosh. That's right. See, there you go. See, I'm not even going to delete that part out. Normally, when I'm that wrong, I would delete it out. <laughs> it's true. It's, I mean, but you know what I'm not doing? I'm not deleting this one out because you know how often I think about Hulkbuster's leadership? That often. Yeah, that, and that's very understandable. Right. So let me rephrase that then, Nate. The first affiliation with three usable <laughs> leaderships. Uh, no, I think I think this is the... First one with a slight asterisk. Yeah. Basically, you have two of the best leaderships in the game as Criminal Syndicate already, so the chance of MODOK hitting the board with his leadership, unless you're just specifically building for it in almost like a meme way, is going to be, see, be seen as a leader as much as uh, Hulkbuster's leadership. Also, though, Cabal will... Yeah. Oh, wait. Uh, hang on. You've got OG Red Skull. You got uh -huh. Sin. Uh huh. I'm. I'm. I got to put the pieces together. Hang on. Oh man. Somebody's gonna. Someone's gonna. At me on this one, but look, it's nine thirty, ten o'clock at night right now. All right, hit me with it. He rides a giant kitty cat. Oh my gosh, that's right. Malekith is cabal. See. That one I should delete, but no, we're committed. <laughs> we're committed. It, it's so funny because I, I think that just, I want to use this as a way to illustrate. This game is vast, so if you don't know something, it's okay, all right? And yes. this is one of those things where I pride myself on, on being knowledgeable-ish and trying to give good content and good information, but that's why I always have a guest on because we all have gaps and we all have blind spots. So here we go. And yeah, all of that to say, you're right. I forgot about the big bad kitty dad because I think of him as like, that's the Malekith affiliation, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like he, he should be enemies of Asgard kind of a thing. Exactly. So like, you know, I think thematically on that one, but again, we're still talking about Modoc, So I don't want to get too far off the rails already here because yep. when I look at this leadership, I see a lot of overlap with Shadowlands Daredevil. And you talk about the fact that 
criminal syndicate has two of the best leaderships in the game and they do kingpin's leadership is unrivaled for mm-hmm. regular secure objectives not not pay to flips and then shadowlands is a meat grinder when played correctly and and even if you don't play it correctly it can still just delete things and i think this one has some overlap with shadowlands in a really interesting way but i don't think they replace each other Mm-mm. but what i do think is if you're going to play criminal syndicate and you have all three leaders in your list creates a really interesting conundrum for your opponent when you show up at a table and also if you throw that versatile strategy in there it can get really spicy I don't know if I agree. Again, we've only seen his leadership for a, a few hours. I'm eager to get Modoc on the table and test out uh, some crazy shenanigans, though, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. But anyways, let's move on to these superpowers. And the first one we have here is an active superpower. And off the rip, way to go, AMG, with naming these things. Like, I know there's an argument to be made for, like, making things kind of whatever if you you read it off that you know what it is by the words that you're reading so like a throw is throw but i love the way that they name these things because at the table it's always fun to, to read this in like modok voice especially imagining dallas kemp reading this in modok mm-hmm. voice because he's got the best modok voice it's definitely up there yeah right so, next to pat's uh <laughs> Yeah. And by Pat's, I mean Pat Oswalt, for the record. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Pat Oswalt's got a good one, too. So, by my calculations, you'll be dead in seconds, is the first active superpower, and it's going to cost you three power. Choose an interactive terrain feature of size four or less within range three and throw it short. The superpower can be used only once per turn. So another range three throw, like we saw in the OG Modoc, still size four. And it's thrown short, though, instead of long. So I'm happy for that. that yeah. that's, that's good. That's just it's good, good, but a lot of this kit doesn't want him to be within short range of anybody. Very true. And I am incorrect. OG Modox is only size three. So his throw's better size-wise here. But that shortness is definitely not fun. Yeah. So that's 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 a little bit of an interesting. I think that's one of those like if you just, if somebody's writing in your face and you feel like you can try to take them out, this is worth doing. Oh, for sure. And the the pickup range is really nice. Exactly. The next superpower is a reactive superpower. So there is a trigger here and we'll talk about what that is and it is all in this world up beneath me. And it has a power cost of X, so we'll tell you how much you get to spend here. While this character is attacking during the modified die step of the attack, so that's your trigger, it's while he's making an attack. During the modified die step of the attack, if there is another allied character within range 3 of it, meaning MODOK, this character may use this superpower. The allied character may spend up to 3 power. For each power spent this way, this character may re-roll one die. So that's a lot of rule speak to basically say, Modok has a lackey that can spend up to three power, and then Modok gets to re-roll one attack die for each power spent. 
I love it. I think this is super fun and thematic. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Uh, it, the inverse of Shuri and Zola's ability, and uh, I'm fascinated by it, honestly. Uh, yeah, because I don't know about you, but I definitely have those games where people don't have power to spare, and giving it to Modok, <laughs> it doesn't make much sense sometimes. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> so... Uh, the next one is another reactive superpower. Genius requires sacrifice. Your sacrifice to be precise. That's the best I got. I love it. Yeah. It's going to cost you two power. When this character is targeted by an enemy attack, it may use this superpower. Choose another allied character within range two. The chosen character becomes the target of the attack regardless of range and line of sight. So we've got Hail Hydra, but on the original target for Hail Hydra in some ways. Yeah. Yeah, in a lot of ways, yeah. Yeah. I have been waiting so long for this ability to be reprinted uh, because it's one of my favorite abilities, and it's on a character who hardly ever got to use it because you didn't want to put Red Skull on the front lines. Uh, so I, I'm very excited to see this, honestly. Yeah, I, I think this is super fun, and I think it makes a ton of thematic sense. But also, I think it works really well with this character, and it makes that seven stamina, I think, feel that much stronger. Mm-hmm. And that 12 total feel that much bigger. So, yeah, yeah I just, I love it. And the, the next superpower that we have here is an innate ability which means he always has it. I am Modak, master of the mental arts. <clears throat> While this character is defending against a mystic attack, it adds blanks in its role to its total successes. Additionally, this character cannot be pushed or advanced by the effects of enemy mystic attacks or enemy superpowers. I love it. Kind of dumb, honestly. I mean, that depends on where you're putting him. He he needs to have four mystic defense if he's counting blanks. I mean, I feel like you're going to rain on the parade that I'm going to mention when I talk about where affiliations he could play. Oh, yeah, you want him in convocation. It's not a secret. (laughs) I mean, with this superpower, you're gosh darn right I do. Look. If ever there was a character that I feel like, and I think I actually said this about Emma as well, but ever there was a character that seems like purpose-built to deal with some BS that Convocation likes to throw out there, I mean, Modoc, yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Good luck. Yeah, pretty much. But with that being said, counting blanks on five dice is insanity. Thank goodness it's only against Mystic Attacks. But seriously, if you see the matchup with Convocation, just smile at yourself because Modoc Scientist Supreme is going to have a day. Yep, Windmill Slam. Yeah, exactly. And if you don't know what Windmill Slam is, just just Google it. Just Windmill Slam. And, uh, and I think it's nice, too, that he has the not pushed or advanced by Mystic Attacks or Superpowers because mm-hmm. one of the original Modoc's biggest problems was Displacement. 
And a character like Shuri could, could used, used to could mess him up pretty bad, but she can't now because she can only pushed size three. However, Scientist Supreme is size three, so Shuri's back. Shuri's back for shoving this guy around. Yep, sad day at the Modoc High. <laughs> Not but, that sad, though. Shuri hardly sees play anymore. I know, and it definitely makes me a little sad because she's still good. Anyways. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, what do you think about this total kit here, Nate? I mean, does this feel feel good? He feels very greedy, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Because, sure, you've got, by my calculations, uh, for the throw, but that's not a throw you're probably using until round three. Mm-hmm. That, that's probably fair there. Yeah. Uh, and then at that point you have a decision between that and the spender, which is also a pretty solid spender. Um, all in all, though, I like his kit. He, he, he has some issues that are uh, rather glaring and stuff. Uh, oddly enough, very similar issues to uh, one of the people that he's competing for uh, as leader of Criminal Syndicate. But I guess we'll, uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. All in all, I'm a fan of the kit. I'm excited to uh, to stress test him, though. Yeah, I think this is a very fun character. I think he will be fun and reading out all these superpowers on the tabletop and everything. Like that's going to be a very exciting moment. And I think what AMG really wanted for this game in general is like just saying all these crazy things, doing this mm-hmm. crazy stuff. But and real quick, Nate. I gotta ask before we get too deep in this conversation: Does this version of Modok replace the OG? I I find that a very strange question because uh, it's like, hey, here's a potato and here's a apple. Like, <laughs> which one do you want? And it's like, well, do you want French fries or do you want some fruit? Like. They're they're very different things. Like it, it's the same. They same in name. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think that while they are going to look very similar, these two things are so different that it's hard to say that one is patently better than the other. I think you can look at the four threat versus five threat argument and the flexibility that four threat gives you versus five threat, but I do not honestly think that you can say one is better or more playable or whatever than the other because they they play very different roles yeah they're the the most they have similarity wise other than the name is that they're both i'm guessing modok's on a the new modok is on a 65 millimeter base um, and their their movement is the same but otherwise uh pretty different individuals uh yeah it looks like a 65 to me but what do i know so this character, I think, is between a rock and a hard place for a few different reasons. And I think we could go ahead and get into that right now. When we talk about his leadership, his affiliation, like we don't know what other affiliations he's going to be in. I would assume Cabal. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else. But we've at least got criminal syndicates. So we can know that. And you mentioned some of the issues that he's going to have and how he competes with the other 
members of his leadership group of affiliation. Mm-hmm. And he obviously doesn't take the place of Kingpin, but with what he suffers from, Kingpin suffers from the not getting there problem a lot. <laughs> and yeah. it's one of those things where Modok, thank goodness, he's got a range four or five dice attack. Like, I think he's going to be okay there. But he's got such an overlap with Shadowlands Daredevil that I think it's going to be tough to put him in there. And then I just, yeah, I mean, he's a four threat, dude. They're all four threat leaders. Yeah. I mean, that's tough. Right? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really tough uh, space to land in. Uh, for Kingpin, he does kind of outrange Kingpin, but most of his toolkit wants him to be in that brawl. He he doesn't want to be like this standalone person on a back point while everybody else is like up in the scrum, because then he's not getting to use. Uh, You'll be dead in seconds, uh, and you're you're not getting the reverse bodyguard effect and stuff like that. Uh, so you want him to kind of be up in the scrum so he'll have similar problems to Kingpin if you're wanting to utilize that full kit. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a really interesting point is like Kingpin can be in that scrum and enjoys that scrum with his hail to the king, his throw, his damage reduction, all of that stuff. Kingpin likes that. And mm-hmm. I think Modoc here, like he's got the three, three, five. So like his defenses aren't bad at all. And then being able to say, cool, genius requires sacrifice and throw that over to someone who doesn't mind taking that damage, like a rhino maybe. But I don't know about you, in my experience, like rhino's good character, but you could put him down. Yeah. And if you're constantly throwing all the attacks that MODOK would be taking onto something like a rhino, and if rhino's standing next to MODOK the whole game, you're, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, Rhino needs to be getting around the board, and Modoc cannot follow him. Exactly. So uh, I'm just using that as an example of, like, we're, we're in a world of Marvel Crisis Protocol where things are more clumpy a lot of the time, I think, and mm-hmm. mobility is still very important and all that stuff, but, like, hanging out on the back objective is going to be harder, I think, for this Modoc or, like, if you're playing on like a B-shape objective, trying to say, okay, Modoc and some other rando go hold down a side, I think that's going to be tough to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think you're, I think you're hitting it on the head. I, I think, may, maybe, we we can now play Taskmaster again. Maybe, and like Taskmaster hangs out with Modoc and gets attacked twice. And so hear me out. Uh, Crossbone Sin comes back with him. I'm, I'm super into that. Super into that. Just for a few reasons. One, if you're attacking Modoc with a mystic attack and you see Crossbones sitting there, well, don't throw it to Crossbones. Just eat it. <laughs> you count blanks. Yeah, like M- Modoc. Modoc should never, and I mean never, even if you're only on one health left, and uh, let him eat the mystic attacks. Five dice counting blanks is unbelievably stupid. Uh, but it's like, oh, here's like a five, uh, a seven die physical attack. Let Crossbones eat that and aggressive up into position. Yep. 
I, I think like the crossbone sin combo, if you're if you're trying to run Modoc as like your guy, I think it's really good. Do you feel like that Kingpin, Crossbone, Sin, Modoc is like something of a like you could fourteen threat you want to play with in in some kind of weird way, like start from there, season to taste after that? Uh I think you drop Kingpin for Killmonger and then sure. Okay. So what I think that's fun. And you're saying to play with Modoc's leadership, to lean into his leadership. Uh yes, if for Sin and Crossbones specifically, because Crossbones does great with Kingpin. Sin is awful with Kingpin. Like I for for, for health is for health on your healthy side. Terrible. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Please don't do it. Yeah. Oh, it's so frustrating. I just mm, yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. So mm, uh, yeah, she needs a she needs a looking at friends. Anyways, she does. why do you think she works with Modoc though? Uh, it's less that she just like synergizes really well with him, as much as I can very easily. Where Kingpin is much more about the durability of his team and sitting on those points. Modoc is going to be really good aggressive wise and getting the free follow me out of the sin crossbones and helping maintain priority uh will be really nice there yeah i could see that and with her having hit and run and all that stuff i could see that mm-hmm. and uh yeah i like that and i, I do want to revisit this taskmaster discussion though just for a second because lord knows taskmaster was like decent for five seconds and it was a good five seconds. It was a good five seconds. It was speaking it was, of characters that need a, a looking at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think that Taskmaster might have some play here, not just because he has a couple of wild triggers, but when you think about how slow Anthony Masters tends to be, because he has no way to just move, if no no out of action movement, which is a valuable thing. Marvel Crisis Protocol. Hear me out, Nate. The most valuable thing in Marvel Crisis Protocol is some kind of extra form of movement, I think. Yeah, action economy, essentially, right? Exactly. So, Anthony Masters, Taskmaster, cannot do any of that, but what he could do is play close enough to MODOK, I think, that you pair the two of them together on a B-shaped formation somewhere that's close-knit fighting and Taskmaster standing there getting attacked twice if Modoc has the power for it. Which Man, I that's a that's a tax on Modoc's uh, power, it's, though. It's a tax on his power, but I think that that's solid and interesting. You know what? You give me a power gain, I just make his sh- uh, Taskmaster's shield throw a gainer, like all other shield throws in the game. You got me sold. Yeah. Until then, uh, Taskmaster just becomes a, a bodyguard for Modoc and is hoping to get something done on four dice and not even get anything back for it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And, and yeah, that's fair. Uh, see, there I was, all excited for a second. Because, <laughs> like, he- hear me out. 
Taskmaster literally needs only two things, and he becomes super relevant again. Even, like, probably not on a Bucky level, because he doesn't have mobility, but you give him a power gain on shield throw, and you give him the innate uh, re-roll one die on attack and defense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be a fair fair bit of kit for him. I mean, that's, that's like, it feels like Zemo. Yep, a little bit Zemo-ish. Yep. Give, uh, make that four dice uh, field throw a little bit threatening, not like Steve Level's threatening, yep. like at least a little bit threatening. Yep. Uh, and I still think he has one of the best spenders in the game. He absolutely does have one of the best spenders in the game. And for those of you that might not remember what Taskmaster Spender is, I'm going to read it for you because it is Loki awesome. Not Loki you awesome. There's no reason for you to know this people by the way because you probably haven't seen Taskmaster on the table in the past yeah. year and a half all of this is fair you might not even own this box if you're newer to this game but pneumonic technique is a physical attack it's range two strength of four so four dice and it's only going to cost you two power though and you're like wait a minute four dice for two power hold your horses add dice to the attack roll equal to the target's physical defense so that's awesome right there right so at most you're going to have, what do we have? Do we have a five physical defense yet? Uh, Carnage. Carnage, there you go. So so you can potentially get up to nine dice on this. Most of the time you're looking at seven, though. Still really mm-hmm. good for only two power. And then the target character cannot modify or re-roll dice in the defense roll during this attack. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, just, it, there's no better attack that's going to just, for two power, roll no matter what four more dice than the, the defender is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, real good. Real good. So, anyways, all right. Back to Big Head 2.0. What, what do we do with him, Nate? Like, what do we do with MODOK? Because... When I see seven stamina, when I see three, three, five on this defense line, like that's solid stuff. When I see a range four, five dice builder with a wild incinerate, I cry a little bit in cable, but you know, it's mm-hmm. neither here nor there. I just like, I think this, there's a decent bit of kit here. I think he's power hungry. I think genius requires sacrifices where you're going to be spending most of your power. Mm-hmm. I think stealing power from your buddies is a tough ask, and we have to look at surrounding him with characters that are some of the most power efficient in the game, which... And you do have a few in affiliation, so it works out. Okay, so who would you label, like I just said there? Hood is, like, one of the standouts. Absolutely. In affiliation. Uh, Rhino. Yep. Is one who just thanks to ornery, and you're you can trigger ornery off of Modok getting attacked and put it into Rhino, and it just it all works out. Oh yeah. Uh, so that that's a couple, but there there are others you can look at. Uh, Winter Soldier, who is a counts as and all that kind yeah. of stuff too. Winter Soldier was one that's coming to mind for me and all of that stuff. And Mysterio, he's pretty good with power a lot of the time. Um, but anyways. You. Two short movers with no mobility. Come on, Will. Look, what I'm did not you saying... just say the most important thing in this game is? Uh, I know. I'm not 
I'm not saying that you want to do that. I'm saying if you're going to do it, that's an option. Because, you know, Fine. just throw Modoc and Mysterio next to each other, and then they're just never going to get to play the game. There you go. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty womp, much. Womp. But I just, when I look at this card, I'm intrigued and excited because mm-hmm. there's a fun character here. There, I, I read this, I read fun character. But when I switch on that slight competitive brain aspect that I have, I'm like, I don't know what to do with this character. Which is a weird so thing. So something I've learned is I don't have a, a, a big brain. I don't think I have a big brain competitive mindset. But some of the meme things that I'm like, hey, this is really fun. What if you do Shadowlands Daredevil with all rapid fire attacks? And you make a, a meme list of rapid fire and rerolls. And then it turns out that's pretty stinking good. Modoc uh, yeah. with Pierce. Oh, yeah. Well, so that's an interesting thing. You mentioned Pierce, right? So if you have to have already rolled a wild as part of your initial roll to then get the change. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think that's it doesn't change anything that much. Uh, it just makes your it makes your attacks wallop hard. OK. I because see basically your wild is instead of just counting as one success. It's basically counting as three. Hmm. Well, that's fair. I like that. That's that's a nice, nice little bit of spice. Has has a nice ring to it. Yeah, that does. I mean, I'll definitely take one success counting as three anytime. Can we just make that like Will gets to do that? As long as it's once per turn. Okay. Cool. I'll take it once per turn. Got it. Will's leadership gets to count one thing as three whenever he wants. Got it. Noted. Uh, Nate said it. Uh. And then the other characters we already mentioned, Bucky, Hood, both uh, will get to use that leadership uh, to help trigger their rapid fire. Yeah, so that's where I was thinking of it in terms of rapid fire lists where characters need that hit trigger. And I'm sure you've had it happen, Nate. I've had it happen more than one time where you're just trying to hit that hit. But you know what? You got a wild. They block everything. And you don't really care whether you're actually doing damage or not. You just want some power to do something else, maybe. Mm-hmm. And if only you could get that other rapid fire. Yep. You know? So I think that's really nice. I think a character like Gambit could potentially benefit from being an out-of-affiliation splash in yeah, AIM. Gambit, Gambit's the fun one, for sure. Right, Nate. And that, I think, is... He's the one where it's like... I don't know if it's good but I'm going to do it because it's going to be fun. So Gambit is interesting because he's got three wild triggers and then he has the ability to add dice to his attack rolls. Then he has this thing called a little something extra. So for one power, after he rolls dice, he can use the superpower. He can change one hit to a wild. So he can, if you're playing in MODOK, confirmed it works this way, you get to choose which which part of an ability triggers first. So he can triggers a little something extra to get that wild, then triggers Modoc's leadership to get the extra stuff, which I think is just super fun. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't think it's good, but I think it's super fun. Yeah. So there's that. But another thing I think that's interesting about this leadership and about this character as a whole is that when we think about... 
the agency of when you get to use your leadership, right? So with aim here, it's when your characters are holding or contesting objectives. Whereas with Shadowlands, it's when the opponent's characters are holding or contesting objectives. Do you think that that matters for when you would versus wouldn't want to use MODOK? No. Okay. I, I think that that's at least something to think about. But everybody should be playing objective anyway. I think that's one of the beauties of this game. So, yeah. you know, there's that. Yeah, I, I guess the it, it it's not something that you should necessarily should build your list around, but your opponent should tailor their play style to if you are playing with MODOK or Shadowlands leadership, if that makes sense. Yeah, I completely like, agree. Like, you, you don't want Hulk to be holding an objective or contesting an objective while playing against a Shadowland list. Whereas with MODOK, it doesn't really matter for Hulk as much. See, I like the way you, you laid that out. That's a good example, Nate. See, I would you, have even thought You got thought my about brains. My, my brain is, like, it's, it's, it's grinding to a halt because it's getting late. But it, the gears are working. I'm glad those gears are working. So, does MODOK splash... Anywhere other than Convocation, you think? No, I think you hit the one that he's going to go to. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm like, day one, it's happening. Because why, you might ask. So, if you're brand new here, the Convocation, first of all, is the thing I've been playing a lot. It's my main thing right now, I guess you could say, has been for a while now. But why MODOK is interesting there is because for Maybe one, maybe two turns a game, you get Ironbound Books of Shumagorath. And that lets you count physical attacks as Mystic Deep attacks when you are targeted. So, Modok just goes up there and says, cool, come at me, bro. I'm blocking everything for this round. And oh, by the way, you're dead. Because I'm going to use Psionic Assault and maybe a throw. I don't know. But I think it sounds super fun. And, uh, yeah. So, I'll be doing that. I don't actually think he really brings a ton to the convocation table other than just for one round he becomes unkillable mm -hmm. but i'll take that as long as your opponent doesn't have too many energy attacks yeah seriously people if you're playing convocation energy attacks just it's just do that all the time it's the thing yeah it's the weakness it looks like it's physical no no it's energy anyways nate any Anything else we want to say about MODOK, Scientist Supreme? Excited to see what his tactic cards bring. Uh, AMG have been killing it at the uh, the tactic cards slot. Maybe a little too well for some characters, looking at Rhino. But otherwise, I think for the most part, uh, they're, they're printing cards that are really cool, not necessarily must-haves for the characters, but are, are good enough that like you don't feel bad bringing them. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. So, Nate, uh, I want to switch gears now and change over to our secondary topic today, and it's probably one that we could spend an entire episode on, but I want to take you know the last bit of this episode to have a discussion that we have once every six months, maybe a year, give or take, and it's the discussion around power creep in Marvel Crisis Protocol. 
Mm-hmm. Are you ready for this? I'm ready, man. It's a it's always a great discussion, especially uh, with this game. Yeah, it it really is. And we've had a brand new character revealed today, and then we've had another new character in Immortal Hulk revealed, and not to mention all these recent reveals between Emma, Psylocke, the Agent Venom, all of the stuff, all just new stuff all the time in this game. And one of the things that I have to say that I, I think AMG is more or less knocking it out of the park mm-hmm. from a balance perspective. And I know you recently had a video talking about that the state of MCP might be the best that it's ever been. And I encourage everybody out there listening to this to go check out that video. It's only like 10 or 15 minutes long, so definitely check that out. Maybe pause the podcast, check that out, then come back to this, because I think it's a relevant discussion. Yeah, I I think, uh, thank you for the shout-out. It's like a nine-minute video, uh, but it definitely does directly kind of tie into part of this discussion and i'll probably even reference a couple of numbers from that so you might get some repeat information exactly so nate i feel like and and maybe it's anecdotal and only my personal experience and i've just been beating my head against a very magical wall for so long that i have a bit of bias but is that magical thing because you're playing convocation is that see, why it's a magical wall? You see what so I it's just there? like a normal wall? Yeah. Yeah. See, like... Okay, good. You see what I'm doing there? See, like, I'm tying it all together, <laughs> baby. <laughs> so, I just... I feel like that maybe certain power levels, and not across the board, but maybe certain power levels have, like, ticked up a little bit as opposed to maybe what they were. And I'll say this, though. I think my barometer of power creep and power creep's an ugly word in miniatures games, but it's also inevitable to a point. I think like, I think there's like AMG again, it's been knocking out of the park, but I think that it's inevitable that something's always going to stay exactly the same. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, if I may, let me, let me just put out a better phrase for what I think is more inevitable is just design creep. Now that's interesting. Because as the game continues to develop and all that kind of stuff, they're looking for fresh ground in, in that process. They find new things that they just hadn't even thought of when the core box's first few waves were designed. I think that that is a much more fair way to categorize what I've seen in Marvel Crisis Protocol. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, and I think design creep is also a good thing. I mean... Things that you didn't even think possible, like an immortality token, as you know, I think that kind of thing is cool, and I think it keeps the game fresh. Like, if you go back and you look at a character from the core box that is arguably the best character from the core box, and I know you're going to agree with me on this, Nate, in Baron Zemo. Yep. He still slaps. Still good. He's still. Oh my goodness. I, I played a, a game with him yesterday and he one shot a full health oh what was it uh logan wolverine who just didn't have enough power for exceptional healing and also a beast like he and then he ran away and got a point like 
Done. What, what is this game sometimes? <sighs> Zemo, Web Warriors, Chef's Kiss. Yeah, it's a thing. I tried it for a while, and yeah, no, it's good. It, it slaps. It slaps. But I, I bring him up as an example of when we think about power creep, design creep, we think about, we have to think about that curve, right? The old bell curve of where things fall on that. And mm -hmm. at any one point, you're going to have characters that are right at the tippy top. Perfect. You know, they nail it. And, I, and we have plenty of examples of that. And then you're going to have characters that are overtuned, looking at you, Malekith. They might even be overtuned all the way down to where they're at the very bottom of the downslope on that bell curve and needing to be another threat value. Or what happens get a rebalance and then you have it in the other direction where you've got characters that are way undertuned and they either get a rebalance looking at you bullseye or they're in need of one. Hello cable. I'm mentioning you again for reasons. So just the, the spectrum is very wide. But when I look mm -hmm. at a, a lot of these new characters, you mentioned Logan and the fact that Zemo took out Logan, I think is crazy because I think he is one of those characters. that is like edging to that point of like, like, ooh, he real good. Mm -hmm. He's really good. Yeah, him and uh, him and Apex both are absolute uh, knockout four threat characters. That uh, I I have opinions about that box set that I don't want to get into here because it'll absolutely distract from the conversation we're having. Uh, yeah, we maybe that'll be like an uh, epilogue, but no. I agree with you because that was another character that I was going to mention is Apex Predator. And it, it's another character that I I will never forget. When we first reviewed him on this thing, the, the discourse online was like, oh, you know, he's just okay, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. If you had that opinion initially, great. He, he mm, I want to use he's an expletive. He's a monster. I want to use an expletive, but I'm not going to. Because I know family people listen to this sometimes, but man, does he slap. He, he's an absolute monster. Yeah. So, all of that to say, we've had those two characters. Then we've had, like, an Agent Venom. We've had Spider-Woman. Spider-Woman is an excellent character. And, meh. Really? Yeah. I don't even bring her on my Web Warriors anymore. Man, well, you're missing out missing out anyways it doesn't probably matter, but there you go that's just difference of opinions all i'm saying is when i look at all this stuff and i see these shiny new toys and all these cool things they do i get the sense that we we've moved on and beyond a lot of what some of those older characters have done mm -hmm. and it just i think it can sometimes look like power creep not looking at the weapon xbox that's a whole other thing i'm gonna you know, addendum. But it can, I think we can get into what you said, the design creep aspect of things. Like when I look at Immortal Hulk and I, I will remember the, the comments that we got on some of the Facebook posts about it and some of the other discords out there. Just, it's like, what do you do with this character? This is insane. Mm -hmm. I personally, I think Immortal Hulk is a perfectly balanced seven threat character, but I get when you look at that, like what the heck? Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to not necessarily play with him because he he's not a character that speaks to me, but I'm really excited to play against him and see how that works, basically. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I think it's going to be really fun and exciting. And and I, I understand people's trepidation there. But then, you know, when we do look at a character like Malekith, Nate, and how that was a character, it was addressed. There was yeah, a window within there. three months, mind you, as well. Shout out to AMG for, honestly, like, what is a pretty quick turnaround on uh, significant fixes. Exactly. I was going to say, it was addressed. There was a window, though that was pretty freaking brutal. And Mm -hmm. I was firmly in the camp of he's beatable, but I also realized that he was too effing good. And that's one where I'm glad they responded so soon, but I was worried at the time that that we were going to see more things like that and those characters that we've had out for two-plus years were just going to fall by the wayside. Yeah, he was, uh, there There were ways to beat him, but they were so limited in number uh, that he, he was impressive to the game. Yeah. So, Nate, let me throw it to you. I, I don't necessarily think there's been power creep as a whole, maybe, like, on the whole, but I'm just, I'm eyebrow raised on some of these new releases, and especially when I start to look at like stamina values and stuff, like we mentioned mm-hmm. MODOK today, right? MODOK has 12, which is the bog standard four threat health value is 12. Yep. That is, that is what you're going to get on average in most of them. But when I see a side of a character that has seven stamina, I, that concerns me. That's hard to get through. We've talked before many years ago. I remember when we did the star Lord episode, I don't know if you were with me on that one or not, Nate, but talking about the difference between five and six stamina on that character was huge on a three threat. The difference between six and seven is that much bigger of a gulf, I think. It, it is, but it, it leaves Modok in that very vulnerable injured side where that five is very one-shottable. That's fair. That's fair. So he, he, he does kind of pay for it, but also like we, we have even just a, uh, Amongst Modok's very specific competition, Kingpin's got a whopping 14 threat for physical defense and also damage reduction. Yeah. Yeah, he's real good. Yeah. King, Kingpin real tanky. Criminal Syndicate boys, just as a whole, give it up. They're, they're tanks. They really are. I mean, yeah, I mean, look at Rhino. Look at Rhino, look at Olick. Grossness. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can literally have Tanky Boy Squad, and for real, if you end up having a character KO'd, I'd be shocked. Yeah, like, you, you can rock it. You can rock it well. Yeah. But what do you think about this discussion, Nate? Do you feel like, is there an eyebrow raise on your end? Uh, I really, I don't think there is. Uh Malekith was the worst defender we've had in a long time. I think there are characters that are above the curve, enough above the curve, even, that they need changes. Uh, I don't think Black Cat is on that list anymore after some of the extraction specifically changes that happened because she's still good. She's not the bonkers needed that she used to be. Same thing with Voodoo. Voodoo, I think, still needs a little bit of tuning and stuff. Told y'all. Uh, hmm? but no, I'm just, I was always on the camp of those two weren't 
that crazy. Voodoo probably more so than Black Cat to me because Black Cat had very one's very specific. Like yeah, it was you had to set it up perfectly, and when you did, you did not lose. I get that, but yeah. Anyways, we digress. Yeah, no, Voodoo just needs uh, like possession needs to be once per turn, or at the very least, make it so that he can't just bounce Brother Daniel to multiple people, make all of them drop extracts or something. Yeah, that's fair. Very, very small tweak. But otherwise, I think he's in a a pretty good spot himself. Uh, So I think Malekith was really the only grand offender uh, because even now, the the pay-to-win box that is the uh, Weapon X box, quite frankly, you don't see, or at least I haven't seen, Logan and Apex Sabretooth really splashed outside of their affiliations very much, despite them being above the curve force. Yeah, and I think that's the interesting thing, and maybe that's part of the question. Do you feel like that because that box has that barrier to entry, that $100 barrier to entry, do you feel like that might be why we don't see those characters as ubiquitously as maybe you might think? No, uh, at least here locally, uh, the 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 people that I know that have the box will play those characters in affiliation, but if they go and play Asgard for a week, they don't bring Apex or Logan, kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, I've I've noticed that too, by and large. And I just want everyone out there. I'm also being a little bit contrarian with this conversation. <laughs> I don't want it to come across like I think this game's broken and busted. Oh my god, doom and gloom. No, he Will is playing a, a wonderful uh, devil's advocate for me. Yeah. So, so all of that, I I agree with you. I think that those two characters play so good with Weapon X, and I think that it speaks to the diversity of threat value and characters and overlap in the game. That we are, there are so many good characters at the various threat levels that it's I think getting harder and harder to just randomly splash good characters. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and honestly, the, the most interesting test uh, to this theory, I think is uh, releasing, I guess the day after this episode releases with uh, Emma's hellfire club. I mean, exactly. And, and why, why is that Nate? Uh, because uh, her new leadership that comes on a tactic card uh, is a basically leadership for an unaffiliated list. So you very specifically could not run an affiliated list. As long as you're running unaffiliated, uh, you can then declare that you are the Hellfire Club leadership, and it enables you to be able to basically play a tier list affiliation. Yeah. So I, I, I want to clear something up about that M and Hellfire Club. I think that you could conceivably have three Avengers characters and still play Hellfire Club. You just can't be playing the Avengers affiliation, right? Question uh, mark? I, I think probably, that's maybe. That's how it goes. This Maybe will, that is the thing. This, this will be a her. rules forum question when it all gets ironed out, but I'm pretty sure that you can 
technically have four Cabal characters and Emma Frost. Yeah, and, I think you're right now that I'm giving it a second read through. But it still is what you said in that it is an affiliation for the unaffiliated because you basically get to just bring the best crap that you want to bring. And by best crap, I mean whatever you think is S tier across the board. Like you can literally have Apex Predator, Baron Zemo, Emma Frost tax on that. Uh, mm-hmm. Rhino, if you think Rhino and robbery and all that stuff, like you can have those things. Beta Ray Bill, I think he's up there in this discussion of characters that are so freaking good. Yeah. You know, like you can, you can put those characters in Hellfire Club and just say, I'm going to, to use the most efficient and best characters I can and try to beat you. And I think that's interesting. Yeah, no, it'll be it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm very excited to see. I don't think we're going to see that as a, a prominent thing at Adepticon. Uh, so I don't think that the first event where it's possible to uh, to run that kind of a squad is it going to like start running tables or anything like that. But I'm interested to to see maybe an event over the summer uh, and how that how impactful this new leadership is. Yeah, I'm right there with you, but. Anyways, Nate, to to maybe put a bow on the power creep discussion because I think it's one worth having regularly as a as a health check, right? Mm-hmm. As a, as a health check, and to the video to reference that again that you made. Marvel Crisis Protocol is in a good state right now, and now that we've we've come through the darkness that was Malekith, I think that. We've come out on the other side of that. AMG responded quickly to something that was way insane. I think we can take a step back and look at the game and say, what's winning right now? When you think about like the competitive events, if you want to talk about the health of the game, what's winning? Shields winning events. Inhumans has won an event recently. We just had a 12-person event here locally, a small, small event, very casual event. But a 12-person event that Convocation won. And no, it wasn't me. <laughs> I was about to ask. Yeah. I was doing other things this weekend. But uh, I wish I could have been there and I would have hopefully won it. But it doesn't matter. It, so yeah. all of this to say, I still think we live in a Marvel Crisis Protocol world where skill and repetition and all that stuff will win out on Apex Predator in every list. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As a as a quick excerpt, uh, because you mentioned it, and we're talking about like what's winning. Uh, the reason I even went around making that video is the top eight from LVO, and then the top eight from the York Weekender, uh, both of which were sixty four player big events, competitive events. Uh, we had, I think, 13 different affiliations represented in the top eight players of those two events out of a possible 16 different teams. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's just real good. Uh, 12. I, I mistook. But uh, still, 
just to be able to uh, have such a strong representation across affiliations is uh, speaks wonders for the game. It does, and I still think that this game is, by and large, pick up a box that you like at your local store, find someone else playing this game, and you can have a good time. Absolutely. And, Affiliations boxes are only making the game more accessible. Exactly. So, so yeah, I don't know. I, I have an eyebrow raised legitimately with some with when I see, like, specifically what we mentioned at the Weapon Xbox, like that one right there. And and that mm-hmm. kind of thing just just raises my eyebrows a bit. But when I look at Emma and Psylocke, like I think Psylocke is a great character, but I do not think she will just be ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Emma has usefulness, but will not see play everywhere. I think Immortal Hulk is an excellent character, but will not be everywhere like current Hulk is. Uh, you know, and all that to say, like, uh, I think it's worth talking about power creep and looking at this because it is a discussion I see online. And it, and look, if you're out there, suits, and you think that Marvel Crisis Protocol has had an, a significant amount of power creep or even a little bit amount of power creep, let me know. Send me messages, housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook. Send me messages on Discord. I'm at hpp underscore will on all the major hpp discords out there i lurk in a lot of them so you can just like search and find me in there so you know do that let us know because that is really why i feel like this discussion is worth having is because i want to know what the community thinks about it and and how they feel about it so yeah i just i love this game and every few months i get a little a little down in the dumps about things sometimes when I've had a losing streak or something like that. But at the end of the day, I enjoy the heck out of this game and I'm I'm still in a, you know, I'm loving it. I think we're in a, in a, a bright new day of Marvel crisis protocol that I think is going to be really great. Yeah, no, I think we're, uh, the game's in a, a really good and healthy spot right now. Uh, I do not see any of the the new characters that we have seen uh, being Malekith levels of oppressive, so I think the the meta will continue uh, to be healthy, barring some other drastic change. Yeah. Oh boy, I'm sh- I can't even imagine what AMG's got in store for us at Adepticon, Nate. Squirrel girl. Uh, you, you, yeah, we're we're supposed to be getting Doreen here soon, right? Uh, yeah. Even maybe by the time this. Uh, comes out we'll see her sculpt at least Woohoo! i'm here for it so yeah with that nate where can people find you uh guys you can find me over on spotify or i guess not me just gamers guild in general i'm not really on the podcasts anymore as a uh, shadow marvel kenny josh merzane jimmy to hand uh are talking all sorts of uh, good mcp stuff over there uh, but you can find me specifically over on YouTube. I have a, just a plethora of Marvel Crisis Protocol content in the form of uh, character reviews, strategy, roster breakdown, all sorts of kind of stuff. Love it. Definitely go check that out. It's always good stuff over there, Nate. You do a great job. And I got to say, I still enjoy it all the time. Please don't ever stop. Mm, three weeks. That's all I got left. That's all you got left? No, please, no. Don't do that to me. Don't play with my emotions. Anyways, 
<laughs> uh, yeah, because you're going to be doing Shatterpoint stuff. A uh, little bit of that coming around the corner for sure. Can't wait for that as well. And uh, yeah, Suits, like I said earlier, hit us up with messages. Let us know what you think. Also, if you have an opportunity on your podcast platform of choice, give us a review. Look, five stars just for getting the band back together today. Right? I think, that, I think that's worth it. So It's worth it alone. Yeah, that's, that's what I think. And it won't be so long next time until we have Nate back. That's for darn sure. I will make him keep doing MCP content, but with me. So <laughs> there you go. And uh, yeah, so we're going to have a giveaway coming up soon. I'm still kind of figuring out the details on that with Adepticon coming up. That's kind of been my main focus lately. So be on the lookout for that. We'll probably do something around the Immortal Hulk and maybe do MODOK, depending on what those those all shake out and everything. So stay tuned for that stuff. And yeah, if you're interested in supporting the show, you can check out patreon.com slash house party protocol for as little as a dollar a month, maybe even 12 bucks a year. You can come over and support what we do here. And it all goes back into the show. It's all just to support the giveaways, to pay for our hosting, all of that stuff. And to all the suits over there that choose to support in that way, like I am immensely grateful. We have a wonderful Discord community that is just constantly enjoyable and even when we get into some really good discussions it's always courteous and fun and a little bit goofy because we wouldn't be house party protocol without that so i gotta say thank you so much to the ones that uh, are over there and and making that community special which is every single one of you so thank you very much and uh yeah with that party on nate party on will and power down suits.